0: coming up to It's Not the Duck. It's where we talk about the walk and the talk, the everything else that distinguishes you from everybody else, what makes the difference, and uh, how you become a difference maker. Today's a very difficult interview for me because I'm actually interviewing myself. Uh, On this anniversary, uh, 11 years ago, my son Trent decided to step into eternity. It was a bad decision he made, and it had eternal consequences. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, his death, about how we overcome uh, the death of a child. And maybe it will give some insight to those of us who um, have lost a child, lost a grandchild. Uh, Maybe you have a friend that's uh, lost a son or daughter and you're not sure what to do. So today we're going to talk about it because it is a very difficult time. And I can promise you it will affect your life every day. It'll affect your business. It'll affect your relationships. It'll affect how you love people. Uh, it'll affect how you love yourself and it'll affect how you view God if you don 't get this right so Charles Scotty Madison, welcome to it 's not the Duck. So why today did you decide to come forth and uh, talk about uh, uh, your son 's loss? Well, you know when a parent loses a child it 's not something they really want to talk about. they especially don 't want to talk about it to someone who's never lost a child um, I know that uh, I really take serious those who have lost children because they know exactly how I feel. I know early on in the process, uh, when this first happened, you know, I'd have people come up to me and said, hey, I know exactly how you feel. I lost my aunt. And inside, I'm going, no, you don't. Or they go, I lost my father or my mother. I go, no, you don't. I even had one lady who had a 14-year-old dog that she lost, and she came up to me and said, I'm so sorry that I know exactly how you feel. And I'm glad that she felt sorry for me, but she had no idea how I felt because the only person that knows how you feel is uh, someone who else has lost a child. And it's not many of us. I remember one time speaking at an event, and there was about 100 men in a room, and uh, I asked them, how many of you in here have lost a child? Ended up being about 8%. So it's not a club uh, that you want to be a part of. It's not a club that you uh, work hard to join. Uh, it's a club of uh, great sorrow, and uh, it's a very small group of us. Well, Mr. Madison, what would you like to accomplish today uh, before this show's over with? Well, I'd probably like to accomplish the, the fact that uh, as someone who's lost a child, you need to talk about it. I know, I think uh, probably uh, me talking about it and actually writing the book that I wrote about taking my son's ashes to Mount Sinai in Egypt called The Other Side of the Earth, that probably saved my life because what it did, it gave me something to look forward to. I knew it would take me quite some time to write a book, at least a year, and and uh, so the longer I was able to, to live, the, the longer I, I wanted to live, because I can promise you uh, when when that child steps into eternity, man, you can't get out of bed. It's the heaviest, most difficult feeling that you can possibly ever imagine. It's so much weight on your shoulders, and in fact, when you wake up in the morning, you're disappointed that you didn't die. You're disappointed that God didn't take you during your sleep. And, and that's really some of the prayers that I uh, prayed before I went to bed. I said, take this pain away from me and I'm ready to, to go to heaven too. And it didn't happen. And it was almost disappointing waking up. So I think it's important that uh, that you talk about it and you, you find others who've also lost children and and so that uh, you can uh, share your thoughts because their feelings are exactly like yours. You know, it, it's very important. And I think the next thing I want to do, I want to give advice to those uh, who are friends of people who've lost children. You know, I, looking back, I, I know that uh, there were so many people that helped me and it was a blur though. I mean, I was certainly in shock, but uh, it took a while to kind of put the pieces together. Uh, I know, I remember I had a friend named Mark who, uh, grabbed my phone and he called everybody that was in my phone to let them know what was going on. And I am so grateful for that because I sure didn't have the energy or want to do that. I had another friend, Steve, who was there and called and asked whatever you need, man, you just, you make it happen. I'll, I'll do it for you. And uh, my buddy, Ronnie, uh, I mean, he went in there with me uh, for the first time to see my son when he was laying on the the table, you know, and, and boy, that was a sad day. And it was good to have a friend do that with you. I had another friend named Rob. I mean, uh, he just showed up. In fact, I was very, very early at the funeral service and honoring Trent and the first person there that was sitting there waiting it was Rob. You know, he didn't say anything. He just shook my hand. he didn't have to say anything. And that's what I want to tell y'all. I know that some people don't really know what to say. In fact, I had some friends that never even reached out to me. And they told me later on in life that they just didn't know what to say. And you don't have to say anything. And in fact, whatever you say doesn't do any good. You just need to be present. You need to be there. And I think that's so important. I had another friend of mine that while I was in the receiving line shaking people's hands, really not knowing who I was talking to or what I was saying, he brought me cups of water because he knew I would be thirsty. And he was so right. And I had another friend named Lonnie who actually uh, sent money. I, I don't know, it was 3000 or $4,000 uh, to the funeral service uh, people just to, to pay for the, the service. And that was so nice. And I've always thought if I had the resources, it would be so nice when I see that someone's child has died To send them three or four or five thousand dollars to help defer some of the cost, and it's not going to bring that child back, but man, that's such a nice gesture. And there's so many that listen to this today; they've got the resources to do something like that. I had another friend uh, named Ray. He called up and said, "Hey, we've got several of us at the church. We'd like to help out, and uh, so when you serve uh, food after, we'll be the ones that'll help." uh, serve the food and, uh, clean up and, and take care of all that for you. Man, that was nice. I mean, they lived an hour away and they brought church members over and they helped serve, uh, probably seven or 800 guests that we had at, uh, my, my son's service. So there's so many things you can do. And I think it starts first with just being present. I think all of this, uh, just helps, uh, support and, um, uh, a parent's mind, the remembrance of their child. It's all about uh, remembering uh, uh, that child that's deceased. And finally, when it comes to remembrance, I think that's the most important thing that a parent wants. They, a parent wants their child they've lost to be remembered. And what happens is when time passes on, you people, they forget the moment, and you never forget it. And on the days like this, when there's an anniversary, it means so much if someone just sends a little text message, said, hey, man, I'm thinking about you today. I want you to know that. And uh, and that's all they have to do. You really don't want to talk with them. You don't really feel like carrying on a great conversation on the anniversary date of a child's death. But it's nice to know that uh, your son or your daughter is still remembered. That is so important. So I encourage y'all who've lost, uh, uh, a child that hopefully your friends will know what that date is. And those friends who are listening to today, put it in your phone and put it every year. It's going to happen and be an anniversary and just reach out to them. It makes all the difference in the world. Charles Scott, is there anything early on that helps uh, any books or scripture or words of encouragement that, uh, that you would recommend to someone early on that, that you felt like that helped you. But I don't think there's really thing any early on, uh, when it's and I for some people early on is, you know, a couple of four or five months. And for some people, it could be two or three weeks. I mean, each person is goes through a different period of time. And, and, and that sorrow, uh, I think in time it helps. And I know in time, it helped me, but for me, it was almost a year later because I mean, I was pretty mad at God. I was pretty upset there for a while. And uh, it it was probably when I got through writing my book that I began to open up a little bit and 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 really get back into the the, the grace of uh, the Lord. Uh, I know there were a couple things. First, uh, I remember uh, being just really really uh, when when Trent was going through his addiction, there was a, a situation where we were at the the house and he was just out of control and. I didn't know what to do, and I just begged God for help. And and God took me to Daniel chapter 3, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar confronts the three boys and said, you know, what God is going to save you from me if you don't bow down to my statue? And this is what they said. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to answer you on this matter. If it be so, the God whom we serve is able to deliver us out of this furnace of blazing fire, and He will. He will. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to me. And what God was telling me initially, that Scotty, I can save your son and I will. But if I don't, are you still going to trust me? And that's what took a lot of time in my life to understand that I don't always get the prayers I want. You don't always get the prayers you want. It doesn't happen like we want it to happen, especially when we lose a child. But somehow some way we have to continue to trust God. As difficult and as hard as it is, that's what we have to do. And I remember reading a, a book, and I probably read, I don't know, 15, 20 books trying to find the answer to why. And let me make something perfectly clear: You're never going to find out why. So you need to quit asking why. You need to quit, start asking yourself, what can I do? and where can I go? You know, how can I keep myself healthy? But I did read one book, and it was by a guy named Bill Heimer, and it's called Don't Waste Your Sorrows. And it really left a great impact on me because it talked about these people that, uh, that I've run across people in my life that incredible miracles have happened to them. that you know, They've almost come back from the dead. Or, and you hear these stories that uh, cancer had eaten somebody up, and, man, they uh, are 100% cleared. And those are great testimonies. Uh, to the power of, uh, of of God. But what about the person that doesn't get healed or the person that doesn't live or the parent that loses a child uh, in a cancer situation over at St. Jude's? I mean, what about them? You know, there is a great story in that sorrow that takes people to God. And what Bill Hymer is saying, don't waste that, uh, that sorrow because you have the ability to have more empathy and sympathy for someone because you have experienced incredible pain and sorrow. And if you don't waste that sorrow, you grow on it, you build on it, you become encourager for someone else. And he mentions in the fact that, that in Scripture there are places in there where God said there is a special place in heaven for people who don't waste their sorrows. And those were a couple of key things for me that helped me overcome uh, this great loss. Oh, I do want to mention two other things. Uh, I, I know that uh, I went to Revelations 21 and 4, and, and it says, And he, as in God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And more of that was encouraging for me that to know that there will be a day when this sorrow that I felt will no longer be, uh, will no longer happen. It will, we will no longer feel it. You know, and and I want to tell a story. I, I remember being with my father when he had uh, dementia later in his uh, life. And what was encouraging, he always knew who I was. He might not know I'd seen him the day before, uh, or actually the same day even. But uh, he didn't know who I was. But I remember sitting and asking with him. And my dad had gone through some, you know, great pain and sorrow in his life, uh, losing loved ones. And in fact, uh, when I was 10 years old, I lost a mom and a sister in a car accident, uh, which means my dad lost his wife and his little girl in a car accident. So I asked him, uh, I said, Dad, I said, do you remember that time I was 10 years old and we met you along the interstate uh, with my baseball coaches and we had told you that mom and little Jane and uh, Ann had been in a car accident and little Jane had died. And, and uh, he goes, son, something's uh, happened to little Jane. Is she, is she not here anymore? And I said, no, 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 she's fine. And my dad's uh, mother, we called Granny, and I said, dad, I sure miss Granny, don't you? And he goes, well, something happened to mother. And then the next thing, I actually had a brother who lost a son uh, to cancer, and I said, uh, Dad, uh, uh, do you remember when uh, you were up the, there with uh, Miles and Tammy and and Peyton uh, was uh, going through his cancer treatment up in uh, John Hopkins? He goes, son, something's happened to little Peyton. And then it dawned on me, my dad had dementia and he did not remember anything that had to do with any type of pain in his life that he'd experienced. And I said, man, what a what a great gift that is that God would give us. And then I realized that God does give us that gift. He gives us that gift when we step into eternity that all this pain that we've experienced, that we will not feel it or experience. And you know what? When I get there, it's not going to be important to me why my son died or why somebody else's son died because it won't matter. The only thing that we're going to know is those that are there, and, and I truly believe that I will see Trent again and give him a big hug along with my dad and granny and everybody else. So those are some things that, uh, that helped me overcome this, this great uh, loss. Charles Scotty, what would you say to parents early on in this process who've, who've lost a child? Uh, I mean, how, how can they find a reason to live? Wow, that's a, that's a great question, uh, because I can tell you early on, I really didn't want to live, and I probably didn't do a good job, and I know I had a daughter and Tori and still do, and I love her very, very much, and I didn't know what to say to her. You know what? Because it took everything that I had for me just to get out of bed. So I probably didn't encourage uh, Trent's mom real well and Libby, and I probably didn't encourage Tori, you know very well, because I was just trying to survive myself. But I will tell you this as a parent, it's very important. The sooner that you can learn to live for those that are still living is going to be very, very important on how your family survives such a tragic situation. You know, we have this tendency, you know, I think about the big table at Christmas or Thanksgiving and Someone has died very freshly in the family, and it's almost an empty chair there. They have a setting set up for them, and the chair's gone. And we tend to worship the empty seat at the table, and that's okay. But it's so important, the sooner the better, to begin to honor and recognize those that are still living because they're the ones that are having the difficult time. They're the ones that are having to overcome, and we do everything we possibly can to continue uh To live for the living, well, Charles Scotty, what about uh those that are dealing with addiction and uh uh or have a child that has uh, suicidal tendencies? Uh, do you have any- advice or encouragement for them man, you know I've actually been through both of those uh in the world of addiction and then suicidal tendencies, and man, there's nothing more that breaks a parent's heart uh you know I know that uh someone listening today is having a child that uh, is dealing with addiction, and it's probably the most demonic, dark force that you can possibly deal with. I mean, I I truly believe it comes from Satan himself, and he's perfected this world of addiction because no matter what decision you make, you feel like that it's a bad decision, you know. And uh, the worst thing I can remember is uh, having a cell phone, and you put your cell phone by your bed, you know, when your child's going through... Some type of addictive process. And you just dread getting a phone call from a number you don't recognize because you know it's going to be bad news. And, and, and you're just, you go to sleep at night worrying about that. And then you wake up in the morning worrying about that. And it's just, uh, it, it's a very difficult time. As far as encouragement, uh, I think it takes a, a lot of prayer. And I think at some point in time, uh, you've got to let that child go. Uh, if they're not doing right or acting right, you know, you've, you've just got to, you know, say, I love you very much, but we've done all you can do. And you've got to figure this out. And you've got to turn them over to God, because only only God, there's got to be a change of heart that's going to change that child in the world of addiction. And you have other family members that are being affected by it, uh, possibly children. So you have to figure out ways to keep everybody healthy. Well, Charles, do I have another question for you. Is there any Day of the year that uh, is harder than others when it comes to the, the death of a child. Well, that's a good question. And, and, and yeah, I mean, obviously, the anniversary date of a child's death is difficult, uh, very difficult. Uh, I think uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, birthdays, I think very early in the process. When I say very early, the first seven or eight years in the process are hard, but they do get better but I think a, a day that's surprisingly bad, and, and I think anybody who's lost a child will tell you this, is Mother's Day and Father's Day. And I can't figure out why Father's Day for me is such a very difficult day, even when I have a daughter that's uh, alive and I've got some uh, stepchildren that I uh, love dearly. And, but somehow Father's Day is just a very hard day. And I think it has, for me, the tendency to think about that, you know, I've lost a son, And I did not do a good job as a father because I'm supposed to protect them. And I didn't protect them during this process. You know, and it does bother me that I think there are pastors out there that when they talk on a Mother's Day or Father's Day service, they never mention this. Everybody's joyful and silly and fun, and they wear their nice little outfits, and they honor Mom, and they go to a restaurant, and they eat, and they have nice cards and stuff. But I'm going to tell you right now, uh, a mom who's lost a child feels absolutely terrible that day. And I would hope that pastors and different uh, churches across the country would recognize that and just mention that for, you know, just a minute. Well, Charles Scotty, do you have any final words? Yeah, I guess the final words are is, uh, you know, life is a journey and uh, losing a child uh it's a bad road that uh, you have to travel on, and somehow you've got to get off that road as quick as you possibly can. Uh, you do have to seek the Lord God at a, at a point in time, and it's hardly, hard to do that early on, as I mentioned. Uh, you certainly rely on friends, and it is great when you have friends who uh, can remember uh, uh, when your child stepped into eternity. Uh, I, I guess you know the thing for me that's important is to know that I will see Trent one day you know, based on our faith, you know, we had the same faith and we believed that you know, Jesus Christ was the son of God and died for us. And I remember uh, early when uh, I went to the police department and I picked up Trent's wallet and and I went through it uh, in the parking lot. And, and in Trent's wallet, when I looked in it, there was my baseball card in his wallet. And I remember, man, I, uh, <laughs> I broke, hit the ground and uh, just cried like a a baby, man. I was just weeping. And it was so much uh, sorrow. And in fact, a police officer had to come over and pick me up. And so I didn't get run over. And I mean, I, I was thinking, here I am, my son had my card in his wallet. And uh, I was his hero, but I didn't save him. And I'm thinking, man, is my, am I going to see Trent again? There was nothing indicating that I knew that uh, he had knew who the Lord God was. And I remember it was two weeks later, we had the service And the day before. uh, Actually, I think it was the morning of the service. I said, God, I need some help. I I need to know that I'm going to see my son again because I'm speaking today in this service. And God said, go back to his wallet. And I went back and looked in the wallet and stuck to one of the little debit cards he had was a little small card, and it was a story of Jesus and Nicodemus. When Nicodemus Demas asked him, how are you born again? And when I read that, I had this incredible peace that came over me that I knew I was going to see my son Trent again. And I think as a parent, that's the most important gift that we can give our child. And maybe we give it to him selfishly because we want to see him again. But I think it's a gift we give them because it is an eternal gift. And Trent has already stepped into eternity. And there'll be a day that I step into eternity also, and I sure want to see him again. And heck, I'm hoping that they have fried chicken in heaven because both of us liked it. Anyway, uh, I miss him dearly, and I certainly hope this has helped uh, some of you out there who are going through the same deep sorrow that I went through uh, 11 years ago. Well, Charles Scotty Madison, we thank you for being on It's Not the Duck and talking about this very difficult subject matter. For our listeners, uh, we pray this helps you and encourages you and uh, maybe go home tonight and hug that child a little bit longer and a little bit harder. Take care. God bless. This episode of It's Not the Duck is brought to you by Get Carried Away. When you're looking for that perfect home-cooked low-country meal for your family on a Sunday afternoon or dinner options to impress your guests, look no further than Get Carried Away. Go to GetCarriedAwayPI.com. Well, if I had ladder's left for only a day, I'd make a wish and here's what I'd say. Oh, nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina eating. Get Carried Away.